Welcome to Relationship Real Talk, Live the Life's podcast. For over 20 years, we have been dedicated to strengthening marriages and families through relationship education. For more information, you can visit us at livethelife.org. Welcome, everyone. I am Ashley, and today our special guest is Dr. Diane Grand. She is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice. She's worked with individuals, couples, and families in the Chicago metropolitan area for over 25 years. Her special interest is working with couples to improve their relationship satisfaction. Clients are guided towards managing their own needs so that they can bring self-awareness and personal responsibility to their relationship. She's also helped them develop their abilities to strengthen their friendship, manage conflict more constructively, and create deeper intimacy. In recent years, she's been featured on Sirius XM, Web Talk Radio, and Mindful Communication Podcast. She's also been quoted in Women's World, Fatherly Magazine, and Rewire. So Dr. Grant, we are so excited for you to be on our podcast today. Welcome, Thank you welcome. so much for joining us. How you doing today? Is everything okay? Oh, yes. Going well so far. How about I you? Like I can't complain. We're doing good <laughs> down here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably really cold up where you are. <laughs> it is. It is. Next week's high temperature is supposed to be 12 degrees. Oh my so. See, I'm going to let you know right now. <laughs> no. I can't even do it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, Dr. Grant, our first question for you is, you know, one of your goals is to strengthen the friendship of couples. So can you explain to us why it's so important to be friends with your partner? Oh, sure. Um, Friendship is considered to be one of the foundations of a lasting relationship. Um, If you you just think about it in common sense terms, the, the more you develop your friendship, the more sense of security you have in the relationship. Uh, It's, it builds emotional closeness when your partner is your friend And that helps to make communication open and honest and uh, more genuine. So once you have all those things in place, the the security and open communication and the emotional closeness, it's a lot easier to resolve conflicts, which are inevitable in any long-term relationship. So there are... There are benefits for conflict resolution and and just for everyday happiness because it's a lot more fun when you live with your friend. Definitely, definitely. I think that's that's something a lot of people sometimes forget in a relationship. I think they they get so caught up in the attraction of the person and want to do all of this and you're forgetting at the end of the day you got to be friends with this person if you want an actual relationship. Right. Right. It's um if if people are interested in learning more about it, there's um a whole theory of of how to build a strong relationship that psychologist John Gottman and his wife Julie put forward. And um it's one of the top models now for couples therapy. And in their model of um building stronger couples, they put friendship at the very foundation the sort of the most important thing and something to continue to work on over the years. So um, it's not just the common sense awareness. There is a lot of research and observation of couples 
that backs up the idea that a friendship is critical to long-term happiness. Good. Uh, I know over here at Live the Life, you know, we like to promote date night. And that's actually why this interview is perfect for us, because we hold, you know, what is it, quarterly, every three, three, four times a year? We try to promote a date night and get people to come out. And you have an article, uh, Date Night, Not a Luxury, a Necessity. And you mentioned the importance of date nights. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit and why why are date nights so important? Oh, sure. Well, especially in current times, people are so busy. They are Whether you're working at home or outside the home and even in this time of COVID when most people are even working full-time in their home, our work schedules demand a lot of us, uh, I think more than they did a couple of decades back. So we're extremely busy just keeping up with obligations. And then if you add on to that all the distractions that we deal with through our technology, our smartphones and um, all the social media sites, there's always something that could distract you if you let it. And then um, not only do we have those factors, but the couples that have young children have an even harder time finding time where it can just be the two of them. So there's a lot going on that makes it difficult to have just time for two people without all the distractions and the other things in the back of your mind to be dealing with. What are just some small excuses you hear people, you know, give about date nights? You know, I'm sure you've heard the, oh, we're just so busy and this, that, and the third. What what are some excuses you hear people give? Yeah, um, the one I hear the most often is probably cost because people think of having a date night and they, they their first instinct is that means a romantic dinner at an expensive restaurant and and you know and that can be really costly but but it, when I say date night I'm just meaning time for two people with no one else as a distraction and um, doing whatever it is you both enjoy. It could be as simple as having your dinner at home with candlelight, but there's no one else around to um, demand your attention. So the, the cost I see as an excuse rather than a real reason. Uh, or maybe many people just aren't understanding what I mean by date night. <clears throat> um, the second most common reason is tiredness. Because, again, most of us are so busy that by the end of the week on a Friday night or Saturday, they just want to sit and relax and not plan anything or have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that is a common excuse. Um, of course, with that one, there's a couple ways around it. If you're genuinely physically tired, then maybe your date night is just watching something together, watching a movie together at home, mm -hmm. which doesn't, it, which is works as long as it's something both people are interested in, both people enjoy watching. Um, sometimes that slips into the movie one person wanted to see and the other one really isn't interested. So clearly that won't work, but 
as long as it's enjoyable to both people, it counts as quality time together. Mm-hmm. Then going on, the third most common reason is just the effort involved in planning it. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, there's either, you know, a reservation to be made or babysitters to hire or or if you're doing something that's um, even more out of the ordinary, maybe tickets to buy in advance. Um, some of my clients, their idea of date night is, a, is going on a sporting event together, like water skiing. or mm-hmm. um, And then they might have to plan even more where they'll stay and what equipment they'll need. So um, it can take a lot of planning. And I I can understand that, but I think uh, you could just let those kinds of events be the special dates and still work in more normal date nights um, frequently. The the problem with hiring sitters, that's one I also have (laughs) understanding for. If you've got young children, um, your only choice is either to stay at home and have this date night after the children go to sleep or get somebody to come over and watch them for a few hours, um, which can be difficult, especially with brand new parents who don't want to leave their mm-hmm. young children with a stranger. But there are ways around that too. Um, like getting names of people that your friends have hired and, and are happy with. The most challenging reason is when either one or both of the people in the couple really doesn't seem interested. They're just Mm -hmm. like, I'd rather go out with our friends or we need to be with our family or something along those lines. And I think when that happens, they're probably one of them is avoiding the emotional closeness that can come with with just having the two people together. And so, and that could be for a lot of reasons. If it's due to a fear of emotional intimacy, then I think they probably could benefit from some counseling as a couple. Mm -hmm. That's not an easy thing to work through, but it can be if, um, if they acknowledge that's what's going on and they want to work on it. So those are the four main reasons. I, I'm sure there are more. <laughs> no, that's I, I love how you defined a date, how it's two people with no distractions being intentional about spending time together. Because I think you're so right that people just get so caught up in, well, it has to be this huge romantic gesture and we have to spend hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. and it just becomes so overwhelming. But just get down to that basic definition of a date. Two people mm-hmm. spending intentional time together without distraction. I think that's so good. And I think that people just forget that that's what a date is. When you're going out on a date, it doesn't have to be some grand, crazy, romantic gesture. But it really will just be so beneficial for you just to spend that one-on-one quality time with each other. So I love that you just defined that. It was so perfect. And that really gets off oh, social media, too. Yeah. Especially, I think, with younger people nowadays, a date is 
you have to spend money for a date for young people now and and the whole uh-huh. like you said that connection really talking and having a having a deep conversation yeah. or just actually spending time with each other to connect on the emotional level. I feel like people don't, people overlook that a lot. A oh lot. yeah. And I, I feel like you're even more, more interested in uh, Instagramming what's happening mm-hmm. on the date rather than yeah. getting to know the person <laughs> they're on the date with. So yeah. oh, the distraction yeah. piece is so big. Oh. You, you make a good point. So when you get that date, whether it's home or out somewhere, probably best to turn off the phones and um, not not allow yourself to be distracted by the social media. Yeah. And another thing that I just loved from your article was, uh, or it, actually I think it was a different article, but it's still so relevant, is the fact that you talked about initial romantic love. Um, that relationship only lasts for about two years. And I think a lot of people get caught up in those butterfly feelings. And that's why we're not really mm-hmm. focused on making those friendships. So can you talk about a little bit more about the science behind that that two years of the romantic love? Yeah, yeah, that is really interesting. Um, when when you say science, I, I think you're referring to research into how our levels of hormones and, and neurotransmitters actually change when we're falling in love. And then they change again over the next six months to a year uh, in a different direction. But there's been research, um, especially work done at Harvard Medical School by Richard Schwartz and, and his wife, Jacqueline Olds. They're both psychiatrists there. And they have looked at how um, blood chemistry changes as people are falling in love and find an increase in the stress hormone, cortisol, during those first months. Which seems it that would explain the the butterflies in your stomach and not not wanting to eat. Sometimes you can't sleep. It's more difficult to concentrate. Um, and there, you know, people have slightly different reactions, but there are some common reactions that relate to higher levels of cortisol in your bloodstream. And uh, along with that, there's higher level of dopamine which is kind of a good hormone, I think we all know. Um, with with dopamine, you feel sort of uh, attracted and excited and energized, so that's a positive effect. Um, and also adrenaline, which has a similar effect. But over time, you just can't keep that up. It, you, you have to start eating again. <laughs> <laughs> you can't live on that fight for too long. <laughs> Right, right. You you have to be able to focus again on other things, rather than being obsessed with this person you're you're in love with. So, we adapt by bringing those neurotransmitters and hormones back to normal, and when they come back down to normal, um, a, a different different neurotransmitters and hormones kick in. And increase again, like the serotonin level goes back up, which reduces that over-focus on the person you're in love with. Um, because normal serotonin allows for less obsessiveness. I'm really simplifying this, but I just know how the hormone levels correlate with 
behavioral changes. And the other thing that changes, the beautiful part, oxytocin increases, which most people know as the the um, kind of bonding hormone that mothers release more of that with a newborn baby and, and couples feel more of that, especially if they're hugging or snuggling. So we call that the bonding hormone. But these things change over time. We, we don't really have control over that. It's biochemical. So there is a science behind it that, that in love feeling just can't, go on forever it's not now i don't want to be too pessimistic though because (laughs) the sense of passion can still be rekindled it'll just come in waves rather than lasting for six months straight or um you know it'll it'll come and go over time with hopefully sometimes that takes some effort but that feeling in love can come back for periods of time. Uh, I like the way one of those psychiatrists puts it. Uh, She says, in the long-term relationship, you can have both companionate love and passionate love. I think that's a a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, and I I think it's so important to have that, like you're talking about, the the friendship and have someone that you know is going to be there, that you know knows you. And honestly, that's more important than someone that not it's not more important, but that passion is only going to last for so long. Having someone that you know is going to be there for you at the end of the day and is going to be your best friend. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that that friendship. Um, which is based on trust and commitment and, and all of those things develop over time. Do you think that the reason that, you know, we have these two years where our brains are kind of like crazy on chemicals and hormones, we see a lot of people breaking up and then finding a new partner and breaking up and finding a new partner. Do you think that has to be mm-hmm. that cycle where they feel like, you know, I'm not really feeling in love with this person anymore. And they don't really realize mm-hmm. that, that that feeling of love is just chemicals that the brain is trying to use to bond them together, but they didn't use that time to build up friendship. They were just focusing on their physical relationship. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good point that um, sometimes we get addicted to that high of feeling and love. And then you just continue to seek that. Um, And so I think that is one reason that that couples will break up when that period ends. They're they're thinking that that was supposed to go on indefinitely and they are very disappointed. But again, I don't want to be too pessimistic because again, I've I've seen so many young couples look really sad when I say there's no way this is going to last forever. But but you can rekindle that at least for periods of time. It's only you'd only get that look in your eye when you when you have you know that's all you have, you know? If you don't have that basis of friendship then, you know, of course it's going to be like, Oh no, that's what we have. If we're going to lose that, what else do we have? So yeah. Tying all of that stuff in together with another one of your articles, uh, the 10 most common emotional needs or the 10 most, Mm -hmm. the 10 emotional needs of couples. Um, Mm -hmm. looking at just 
throw a few examples for the people that don't know. Some of the 10 are admiration, appreciation, affection, companionship, domestic support, things of that nature. So looking at the 10 most common emotional needs list you referenced, is there any connection between in any between any of those and the strength of relationships of couples who go on dates? Oh, absolutely. Sure. I'd say most of them, um, because if you think about it, if, if you have more time together, there's more time to show your admiration or appreciation, even even if it's just time to comment on a, on a trait that you like about the other person, give them a compliment that that may fit the need for admiration mm-hmm. um, or um, then obviously affection. If you have time together, you can be affectionate. You might not even have time for much of that in a normal day. And one of the one of the other needs is uh, to be a companion in recreational activity, whatever it is you like to do. Go running or um, riding bikes or playing playing any sport together. To be able to do that with your partner is a need for lots of people and couples. And this gives you the chance to do that. Because, that can, again, that can be a date, mm-hmm. the way we define dating. Um, then the, the last four on, on that list from the article you're referring to, they are all relevant, too. There's, one is the need for honesty and openness. We had that relates, mm-hmm, right? Intimate conversation, physical mm-hmm. attractiveness, and sexual fulfillment. Mm-hmm. All all of those needs are relevant because you've got more time together, better communication. Um, the attractiveness is kind of an interesting thing. If you think, if you call it a date, even if you're sitting at home, mm-hmm. if you're going to make a little more effort <laughs> to look nice, you know, try to. Um, pay more attention to grooming or whatever it is that their spouse finds attractive, your, your partner finds attractive, then that's going to peak their physical um, attraction to you. So that is an important um, time to be do, doing that when you just don't have time every day to look your best. And obviously sex, because if you have that time together, that increases the emotional closeness and possibly attraction and all of the other needs. So I think, yes, it definitely helps to meet um, almost all of those needs. And then just side note, because, you know, we are in a pandemic. Do you have, you know, maybe date suggestions that maybe you've given somebody through throughout COVID during this whole time? You know, maybe something you've done personally or anything like that? Yeah, uh, well, there's, you know, other than the date at home idea, I have, um, I have people been pretty creative around here. <laughs> when, when the weather is decent, you could have any kind of date outdoors, going to parks, having picnics, um, there, whatever activity is okay for the outdoors mm-hmm. can be a date as long as it's just the two of you. Um, I, there are, I know up here, some restaurants create outdoor bubbles. I doubt you need that in Florida, but here it's so, it's so cool. They create, it's like an igloo, and you can have your own table inside this igloo and have your dinner out at a restaurant. So 
there are ways to do it. Do you have any last thoughts or comments you uh, want to add or tell the people? I think we've covered everything. You had some great questions. Hey, that means we did our job then. <laughs> we did. We did a good job. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel educated, encouraged, and empowered to thrive in whatever relationship you're in. Thank you and have a good one.